Hey, hey, welcome back to Cool, Calm, and Chaotic. This is episode 222. 22 twos, like a Jay-Z album here. But we don't have Jay-Z behind the mic. We are going back across the beautiful Atlantic Ocean, or I guess across the Pacific, depends on how you look at it. But we're going back to Australia. Miss Ruby Shadi is back behind the microphone to really give us a an hour, like almost like an hour and 45 minutes of just straight awesomeness. Uh, as you all know, Ruby's a phenomenal, phenomenal human being, a no-nonsense type of person who, like, the best way to describe her in my mind is somebody that instills, like, true hope and confidence in people with, like, realistic tactics and ways to get there, getting us out of mind jail, getting people out of this, you know, this trapped mindset where they're kind of building their own prison walls with the decisions that they make. There is a way out, and Ruby kind of helps us with that. We talk about all of that. Uh, you know, her whole background story of helping people get through that, the lies that we tell ourselves, actual ways to overcome that, um, how to add calories and focus on protein and get off of the scale and all of the amazing, amazing things that you might that you might think an amazing coach like Ruby would give us. But then she also fills us in on Australian candy. And you may not have known this, but apparently, from the sounds of it, Australian candy is freaking phenomenal. I mean, they have something called a curly whirly, so you know it's got to be off the chain. So you're going to hear about that and this magical thing called fairy bread, all in this wonderful episode with the one and only Miss Ruby Sherry, which always reminds me of the Stevie Wonder song. But uh, yeah, this is episode 222. Cool call. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back. It's episode 222 of Cool, Calm, and Chaotic, and we are joined by one of my favorite human beings on this planet, from the other side of this planet, the one and only Miss Ruby, Ruby Sharee. I, I, like I like to say Ruby Sharee. It reminds me of like I'm singing a Stevie Wonder song. Every time I say your name, it just makes me happy. Hearing your name just makes me happy, Ruby. And before we even talk about who you are, which everybody should probably know by now, we have to start every episode with uh, tell us something that has made you happy in your life in the last two weeks. Yeah. Well, in the last two weeks, I have started a new way of trading and it's actually four days a week. So what's made me happy is having that extra rest day to just to just chill. And it takes this like the reason this makes me happy and why I'm mentioning something training related is because people think that the more they do, the better the result. But if you actually zoom out and ask yourself how much of my life is taken up with thinking about training, thinking about how much I hate my body, thinking about how much I want to change my body, thinking about food, it's like, but what about, we talked about this on the last episode, adding some color to your life. But honestly, what about life? There are people that don't even know what makes them happy anymore because they're too busy doing, they're too busy chasing. But there is so much more to life. And if you don't allow yourself to slow down, you're never going to experience that. And because I'm someone that finds a lot of purpose in serving people, in helping my girls and having conversations, having that extra day off, which actually gives me an extra four hours of brain space because I leave the house at seven and I get back home at 11 because the gym's far away and all that other stuff. It's like, yes, I'm still doing a lot of stuff in that four hours, but it's not away from that. It's like a different focus and it's stuff 
that also adds to my fire because there's a lot more that creates the person that we are. And it's more than just trying to change our bodies. And that's something a lot of us don't realize. But aside from that, something else that made me happy is the fact that I can do RDLs now when I have a very injured hamstring. And I'm sure people know that when you're injured, it kind of plays with you. It's like you you don't remember what it feels like to feel good anymore until you actually start to mend and feel good again and you feel capable of things. And people probably with a lot of back issues that might be pulling out their back or whatever, they'll be more impacted by that stuff because when you have a sore back, it's even worse. Mm. Or even when you have a sore knee because it impacts so much. So a couple of things that could probably lead to quite a lot of thoughts going on there but yeah 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 both 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 of those we could we could do like two whole podcasts on each one of those individually those are great topics one that makes me happy that you I just just seeing you smile as you talk about it makes me happy because I can see that those things have made you happy but like especially that first one of you going from five days a week to four days a week and being okay with that mentally, not even just being okay with that mentally, but like feeling and realizing the fruits of taking a step back. And maybe maybe the right approach for a lot of people is that they have to scale it back. Because I feel like we all, many of us fall into this trap of, okay, I'm severely out of shape. I want to get in shape. So I got to go balls to the wall. I have to go, I have to start doing something. So I have to go all out. And then it's almost like, if I slow down at all, I'm going to lose all of my progress. I'm going to see no results. It's, I'm going to, I can't, I have to keep going harder. I have to keep going harder, even though the going harder and going harder is what's digging the hole deeper. It's funny because it's so true. It's like we get into this pattern of actually building a habit. And then as soon as we start adding more and more, we find it harder to scale back. So before we know it, we went from doing three days of training to doing four days. And then we might add in a fifth. Some ludicrous person might add in a sixth. And I really, really believe that anyone listening to this podcast does not need six days of training. Do not do more than five days of training. Like if you're a busy woman listening to this podcast, and I'm pretty sure a lot of busy women are listening to this podcast, you don't really need to do more than four sessions a week. A fifth is a bonus because your lifestyle is a workout in itself. You're probably doing housework. You're probably chasing after the kids. You probably have a lot of errands to do. The thing that you need to do a lot more of, which you're probably not doing enough of, is getting your butt off the chair and walking, like getting more steps into your day. I always, like, I know that there's a point of diminishing returns, but I always say the more steps you can get into your day, the better, because it, there's only a few people, well, it's actually a growing number of people now in the industry that actually promote a lot of steps and a lot of movement if you can actually make it feasible or just find ways to sneak it into your day, which is like everyone is entitled to a lunch break and not enough people take it. Like you are entitled to that. Mm -hmm. You need to stand up for that. Not like no one ever speaks up for the fact that they are entitled to a lunch break. I got on three calls in the last month and I asked them about their lunch break because I asked them so many questions so I can actually make a meal plan that they can stick to and help them around navigating food around the day. So I asked a shitload of questions. Three people said they don't have a lunch break. I'm like, wait, is that because you don't have a lunch break or you just don't take it? Oh, I just don't take it. I'm like, okay, so can we start taking it? Um, well, I'm kind of tied to my desk because then this happens and this happens and it. 
where's the lunch break? Like you are entitled to that lunch break. Like if you can actually get off your butt and go for a walk during lunch, you're going to be so much more productive and you're going to feel so much better for the rest of the day instead of working from literally, well, you're not even working. Like there is no way that you can do deep work, good work for six hours straight or eight hours straight, however long your work day is. Cause I know I can't, I get distracted and then I start losing my focus. You can, and it's still something I am personally working on to do deep work. And now I have my phone on do not disturb pretty much 24 seven. And I only turn it on when I feel I need to turn it on. My phone's always on silent anyway, but you need to be able to step away to refresh your brain, go for a walk, get in some steps, eat your food in a relaxed environment. Otherwise you're going to end up with gas, just like digestive distress, poor gut health because you're eating in a stress state and eating in a stress state is terrible for a healthy metabolism because your gut isn't even able to absorb the nutrients properly. But back to the actual point, there are different pockets during the day, just like when you snack throughout the day, which you really shouldn't be doing, but you can snack on activity. Go for steps there, park further away. Like I always try to say, leave a bracket of time, leave a buffer of time throughout, throughout the whole schedule that you have. Like, if you think something's going to take 15 minutes, give it 20, 25, because then you have that buffer room and you can actually account for parking further away, doing a little bit more walking. I walk in between my sets and I don't even mean to, it's just that I can't stay still because ADD here, but <laughs> it's like, I, I actually like pacing through my rest periods. I don't try to get my heart rate up. I just walk and pace slowly and I inevitably get steps up there, even though it's not much, it's still keeping my body moving because I know throughout most of the day I'm sitting on my ass. But I guess one benefit of drinking a lot of water is that I do get off my butt to go to the bathroom at lunch. <laughs> but like, there's another benefit, drink your water because Absolutely. then you'll have to walk to go to the toilet. But it's when you prioritize actually getting in a lot more of this movement, getting your steps up, that is what most of the people in the general sense are missing. And that leads to a lot more of your calorie expenditure than a training session. And it doesn't add extra stress to your body. Mm-hmm. Training sessions add stress to your body, add too much of that stress. And your body's going to fight against you because life in itself is a stress. Work is probably going to give you stress. The more stress you add, and then if you want to lose fat, that's going to be a stress up. You want to have the minimal effective dose, but not so minimal. I would actually add an extra block or two to that. So maybe three days, 45 minutes is the minimal effective dose. I would say, let's go four days, 45 to 60 minutes. That's probably the Goldilocks zone. Like you don't want the minimal, minimal dose and you don't want to go so far over the Goldilocks zone that you're chasing your tail or you're feeling like it's a chore. I always say live, live like Goldilocks. You don't want too much. You don't want too little, but you want something that's just right for you. And Goldilocks lives in your house and everyone's houses look different. So be your own version of Goldilocks. Anyway, back to the walking thing. So luckily a lot more people are starting to say this, but if you actually get your 
caloric expenditure through walking, you can add up to a thousand calories of calorie burn to your day. Some people can add a thousand five hundred. I'm pretty sure there was a case study that showed like the most intensive laborers workers were clocking up almost two thousand extra calories. But I would say most people could add up to one thousand extra calories as a burn through the day just through a lot more walking and activity mm -hmm. but this allows you to actually eat more for maintenance and if you think about it it's not trying to earn your food it's the more that you can actually feed your body high quality food the more the more vitamins the more minerals the more good stuff you're actually giving your body to do its daily functions and to nourish your metabolism to nourish your blood health to nourish all of these different parts of you that if you're just surviving on like 1600 calories a day, probably picking poor choice foods, grabbing frozen boxes from the freezer for meals, you're not giving yourself the optimal chance of health. And we need to put the health back into health and fitness too. So, and especially now that we're coming to the end of the year, it's like people worry about what's going to happen between the 1st of December and the 1st of January. But realistically, people are still going to be eating like shit on the 1st of January and maybe even the 2nd because it's New Year's Day. Like, who goes from New Year's Eve celebrations to a whole new fresh start the next day? People have all the intentions to, but it's it's that lag effect from the day before because I put it into one of my promotion posts for my six-week challenge. I'm like, just, just imagine if you're putting all this into just – setting your goals on the 1st of January, which is something I used to do. I used to procrastinate because by the time 1st of January came and I woke up, I felt like I was already behind mm -hmm. because life doesn't stop for one day of organizing your shit. You still have to be a mom. You still have to be a wife. You still have to clean the house. You still have to be yourself. Like you, you, you're still going to be trying to do all of these things whilst trying to figure out your own shit. So why not get a head start on that? And that's something I said, I'm like, get a head start on, I have a free training as well on this, but I did a webinar with my girls and I filmed it so I could actually give it out to people for free because I thought that it could benefit everyone, not just my girls. Cause it's something that's helped me massively. So I'll be happy to send the link to you so you can like give that to people. But it's so important to know your will is, I mean, your why needs to go deeper into how is this gonna make you feel? How will you show up to life differently if you had this end goal that you think you want? Say you want to lose 10 kilos. Okay, cool. So how are you going to act differently in life? How is life going to be different for you? Why do you want it so bad? Like what will you do differently once you get there? That's your deep driver why. And that's going to keep you rowing the oars because motivation is like the wind. Sometimes it's going to push against you. Sometimes it's going to be non-existent. And sometimes it's going to help you go along. It's in the times it's pushing against you and the times where it's non-existent, where that will to go on still needs to keep oaring. Otherwise, you're just going to lay stranded, maybe sink if a shark comes. So <laughs> you need it. Like having that deep why is so important. And if you don't realize what it is that you're striving for, you're more easily likely to fall into like isogenics, bloody a thousand calorie, 1200 calorie diets, no carb keto, whatever the hell it is, you're easily going to get sucked into that shit and allow yourself to feel like shit 
because all you care about is the end result. And if all you care about is the end result, well, it doesn't really matter how you get there because you, as long as you get the result, but then what happens next? And I had a call with the girl and it broke my heart because she mentioned everything she's been on and she still wants to keep doing it. So she didn't sign up with me, but <laughs> she's done all these diets. She still wants to keep doing all these diets because all she cares about is she doesn't want to have bingo wings. She doesn't want to have tuck shop arm, arm. She doesn't want to have trunk thighs and I brought her up on the ways that she was speaking about herself, but she's mentioning all the shit she hates about herself and how she just wants to lose weight. And then she's stressed out, about, stressed out about wanting to have a baby, but she knows she can't do that because she's so stressed out. But then she also knows that she needs to get healthier and lose weight first. But then see the cycle that we create with ourselves, yeah. but we don't yeah. realize it because we're so stuck up in our own heads and we hate where we are so much. We create this mess for ourselves. And I'm pretty sure that that this client I'm talking about is like a lot of other people out there. Well, not a client, this inquiry. And then I'm like, okay, cool. So tell me about why you always injured. Because she told me that she loves going to the gym in the morning, but she tries to force herself to the gym in the morning when she's not injured. I'm like, okay, so why are we forcing yourself? She's like, because I know I need to go so I can actually lose the weight. I'm like, okay, so why are you injured? How can we get you to the gym when you're not injured, if you're injured. And she's like, oh, because I decided to start going to the gym the other day. And then for the three days that I went, I walked in, I did 30 minutes on the elliptical, 30 minutes on the Stairmaster. Then I ran for 30 minutes on the treadmill. And then I did that the next day. And then after I finished it on Wednesday, my knees were so inflamed that I couldn't walk. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You told me that you want to feel strong. You can't say you want to feel strong and tie strong to spending all of your gym time on cardio. Like she literally, like, because I was trying to bring out her why and what she really wanted to feel and what she wanted by the end of it. And she said she wanted to feel strong. She wanted to feel confident. She wanted to actually feel like she, she could get through her day. And it, it was like, she couldn't, she still couldn't make this link. Like, okay, but you can't say that you want to feel strong and link being strong so putting 90 minutes to two hours on cardio because cardio has nothing to do with strength at all. And now you can't even walk. The doctor says that you can't go to the gym. How is that lining up with the person that you want to become? But we get so entwined with, I just want to burn off this fat. I'm just going to run off this fat. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is the thing that is going to pull a lot of people off track going into the new year. Because if it's not the whole, I need to be really strict and then be really strict throughout the dieting season, it's, oh, stuff it. I'm trying to swear. I'll say stuff it. <laughs> oh, stuff it. That just I, sounds fun too. Yeah. Stuff it. Stuff it. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just, I'll just binge on everything. I'm going to have this and this and this because I know that once I get back to plan, I can't have this and this and this. Like if what you what you do on a daily basis is something that you hate so much, you're on the wrong track. There is no track to get back to. That's called help. If you need to get back onto track, you need to make sure that that track is the right track first. Not a track that's sending you down to hell of spiraling up and down on a yo-yo like you've been doing for the past few years of your life. Like if your plan or track doesn't allow you to have these foods, and realize that this food is available all of the time if you want it to. 
There is no such thing as Christmas chocolate. There's chocolate marketed as Christmas chocolate, but it's still chocolate. Right. <laughs> like, like it's still chocolate. Like Easter eggs don't taste amazing as Easter eggs because we make them seem like so, but it's still chocolate. And the more that we live through the years of life, the more varieties of chocolate are coming out. Like there's friggin' Vegemite chocolate. And if you're in America, you probably don't know what Vegemite is, but if you don't, look it up. But otherwise, Vegemite is an Australian yeast extract spread thing that's kind of like Mighty Mite, kind of like Marmite. But there's Vegemite chocolate. What the hell? There's popcorn chocolate. Like there are so many varieties out there. It's plentiful. You do not need to eat a whole bucket load of it on one day. And that's that's the mentality people have. And I was having a conversation with someone where it's like, okay, well, if there's only this one occasion that Auntie Sue is going to cook pumpkin pie or whatever it is, you don't have to splurge on that right then. And if you already ate a whole crap load of food, you don't need to have more than a tiny bit of that. What you can do is say, I am really full right now. Can I actually cut some, put it in a container and have it tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Oh, but... I can't have that tomorrow because it's not on my diet plan and I need to get back on track tomorrow. See, that that's where the cycle goes. And this is why having healthy habits in place and realizing that it's what you do the majority of the time that matters. Because in reality, if you're stuffing up every single weekend, you're never, ever, ever going to get to the body that you want. Like, honestly, you really aren't. And that's just keeping it real. If you're going to have two days every single week where you go, it's nothing about the whole 80-20. Like you can't do 80-20 80% of the time. It's you need to pick your battles and know when it is. Like you need to be as consistent as possible for most of the time because then you know that when your birthday comes, when this event comes up, those days, if it's like 30 days in a whole year, you're still being consistent for 90% of the time or more. So those 30 days really don't matter if you're consistent the other days, mm-hmm. but people mm-hmm. don't see it that way. It's just like, Oh, I just, I just, I just had a day off. Now let's just throw our hands in the air. No, because you can have 30 days. You can even have 40 days like that. But every single weekend, that's like <sighs> two days out of seven. That's like 40% of a week, 30% of a week, something like that. Like if you do thirty percent of a week, every single week, it, it's it's not lining up with the person you want to become. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. That that was that whole diatribe was fantastic from beginning to end. There was so much in there, and it is. You're right. Like you can't go, you can't do the eighty twenty rule for eighty percent of the time. Like then you're just messing. You're just messing with it all. But when you do and you build those habits, you're not consistently going on this up and down battle. And it's a battle of the mind. Like you, like, like you just brought up, which was really important, is um, it's this mindset shift from going from, okay, I can't just cut a piece out and have it tomorrow even though I'm full because I have to get back on my diet tomorrow. And it's this back and forth game. So now I'm just going to stuff myself with whatever I can fit in now. So I'm going to overeat by 2,000 calories. When if I just cut my slice out, that could have been 300 or 400 calories the next day. I would have saved myself a ton of calories, but it's this mindset thing that you just can't get over. And it kind of even goes back to what you were saying about, you know, take it, taking a day off, scaling back a little bit, and, and the, and the uh, 
like the two hours of cardio or 60 minutes of cardio. That's like the big, that's a big struggle for, I think, a lot of people. And it's one that makes you want to pull your hair out. But also at the same time, you feel so bad for people who are stuck in this mindset, in this mind jail situation, because it's not a lack of effort. It's not a lack of, I don't want to work hard because, like you said, they'll go to the gym and get on the treadmill for 90 straight minutes, even though they said their goal is to try to build their metabolism and get stronger. They just correlate hard work or working hard for doing what's necessary and a lot of times like you said and you brought this up a lot of time a lot the last time we talked you kind of just you have to zoom out and assess things what am i doing so like if you can sit down and talk to ruby you're going to be set in the right direction things are things are copacetic but like if you what are some things that you would say would help people who are lost who feel that struggle who feel defeated who are working their asses off but seeing no results because they're probably working them off in the wrong avenues in the wrong mediums with all the wrong in all the wrong ways because they can't get to that why like i feel like that that concept is you know figuring out why it's important to you why you're doing it obviously that's tough to get to for a lot of people how do you feel that what what are the what are some maybe some better questions that people can ask themselves to get to that deeper meaning so that their actions are aligned with what they're actually trying to do and they're not just trying to outwork it because i found even even for me and it's something that i struggle with too it's super easy to try to outwork your issues because then it's almost like you're hiding from them you're running from them you you can always give the excuse look how hard i'm working i'm busting my ass and i'm not seeing any results when in reality you know that the you know the 100 minutes straight on the treadmill every day or going on the constant runs it's just a guy it's a mask for you addressing your real problems which probably have to do with food which probably have to do with the stress of your work the relationships that you're in all these other things um it's just easier to outwork them because then you're kind of hiding from them yeah there's two places that I want to take this. So I wrote one of them down so I can go back to that one later. One of it is, so we, like like I was saying before, it's like we start off with like four days and before we know it, it's five days. And we're doing this thing consistently. It's like, okay, cool. I'm So what I'm doing right now is giving me the results I currently have right now and it's serving me in some way. So I'm going to keep doing it because if I do any less, I already... I still have body fat to lose. I'm not going to do less. Mm-hmm. If I do less, I'll put on fat. If I do less, I won't progress so much. And I haven't put this post up yet, but I was writing a post just recently, which is why it's fresh in my mind, how when I started out, I never wanted to take that day off. I always wanted to just keep going to the gym and showing up regardless because it's like, if I do more, I'll progress faster. If I stop doing so much, my progress is going to slow down. I'm going to lose muscle. I'm going to start putting on fat. I'm going to start gaining weight. Like that was my fear back then. And it can still crop up where you're doing all the amazing right things. And then all of a sudden you go from four days to five days and everything's still great. But then after a while you get so used to five days, which is a cycle I actually got stuck in before because I went from three days to five days because of COVID. And it's like, I... I was doing less volume. So then instead I just added more frequency. So it kind of equates to the same thing, but as soon as like, I was fine doing just three days a week. And then I was even better doing five days a week. Cause it's like, cool, COVID this works. But it's like, as soon as you get so used to doing something, it gets hard to then scale it back again because mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, this is working for me. But is it really? And yes, it was, it was working for me and I enjoyed it. It was working for me body comp wise. It was working for me in all that way in keeping me where I was and progressing me there. But 
everything comes with a trade-off. And my trade-off there was everything else that I wanted to accomplish, which make me show up as a better person, which is stuff related to my work life, because I have a lot more that I want to do with my coaching business. So not only that, but then, yeah, but I'm also trying to recover this hamstring injury. And on my fifth day, I'm not really giving it 100% because I'm exhausted by the fifth day because I go, like I actually put in, when I train, I train freaking hard. So because I'm training so hard the first four days, by the time I get to the fifth day, it's like, eh, eh. But if like, yeah, I love training. I love being in the gym. But there's other things that you can do as well that actually serve you. And I don't want to use myself as an example because I'm not a busy mom who's doing all these other things in my day. I sit on my ass most of the day and I don't have to look after the kids. I don't have to do all these chores. But people listening to this, you guys have so much more that you need to be putting your effort into, like I said. So I guess it's this, yes, okay, I know I can work hard and I know I can work hard but we don't have the belief in ourselves. This is gonna feed into the next one soon, but it's like, we don't have the belief in ourselves that we can change. We don't have the confidence, or we do have it, but we don't slow down enough to recognize it, that yes, we can do what we put our mind to. And I'm talk- I have a really good friend who just finished doing something that I advocate against, but she did, a very, very strict diet to photo shoot. And she got on, like the way that she had to do it with her coach was very unsustainable, but it was for a photo shoot and she was going to reverse after it. And I like her coach. So she did that. But then after it, I was doing all the consoling for her. I was helping her on the mental side for it because her coach doesn't do that sort of stuff, Mm -hmm. which I don't like her coach for. So I was doing the coaching of the mindset for her and helping her outside of that. But she didn't anticipate for that. She thought she was on top of the world. She was going to nail this thing, which she did because she was so good at the dieting part. And that's the thing. We are all so good at smashing ourselves. We are all so good at working hard. We are all so good at knowing that we need to eat less and fearing food and cutting out food. Like dieting is easy when it's for a short period of time, when we know, hey, okay, I've got this 12-week challenge, I'm going to lose all this weight, or just anything short. So it's like, yeah, we can work freaking hard for a week. If there's an end date in six weeks, yeah, we can work hard for six weeks because we know there's an end date. But no one thinks about what happens after that. She was a mess after that. I was a mess when I dieted for my body comps, bodybuilding comps. (laughs) Like, we don't think about oh no, now what am I going to do? I don't have anything to aim for. Oh no, I'm getting fat. Oh no, what's happening to me here? It's like, we don't have that after plan. And she had the after plan, but she was still freaking out about like, you you tie your identity to the scale going down all the time and you don't understand that maintenance does not mean maintaining your lowest weight. Maintenance does not mean maintaining your leanest physique. Maintenance does not mean you stay the same weight your whole life. You are never going to stay the same. That is not what maintenance is. Maintenance is still progress. Maintenance is progress. Maintenance is where you should be living most of your life. And you can progress in your maintenance. I've been living maintenance for ages. My body has been going up and down and up and down, but not like a roller coaster. More like 
a smooth wave because that's maintenance. It's staying within a range. It's still aiming for progress within that and not tying yourself to the leanest person you've ever been because we need to focus on all of these external things. But this is where this whole mentality that you were going on about comes from because we don't allow all of that. We're so busy trying to, trying to do hard work. There's work hard and then there's hard work. And I heard it on a podcast. You don't want to think about, think about a marathon run or any run. You don't want to run hard. You want to run fast. There's a difference run hard versus run fast. Running hard exhausts you. You might not even be going fast enough. You might be running hard stupidly, like with the wrong pace techniques, with the wrong wrong running techniques completely, but you're running super, super, super hard, but you're not gonna get there any faster. But if you focus on running fast, you could do that so much more efficiently and effectively without as much hard work. So work hard versus hard work. You're putting in all the effort, cool, but you're putting the effort into the wrong places. So the questions to ask back to the other thing I wrote down. So I did actually ask this question and it's kind of funny how many people responded yes to this. So I asked a question, it was, so is what you're doing right now getting you the the results that you want? I think about, it was 87% of people that responded said no. It's not getting them the results they want. Okay, cool. So why are you still doing it? That was a question I asked the next day. I'm like, okay, so if what you has if what has worked for you, wait, if what you are doing right now is not working for you, have you ever thought about doing something different? And that one actually didn't get a lot of questions, like a lot of responses on it. It was more of a it was more of a let's get you thinking kind of question. And then I followed it up with just a quote text. If what you're doing is not getting you the results that you want right now, why do you keep doing it? Isn't it time that you actually trust yourself to try something different? Because what's the alternative? If you keep doing the same shit every single day, you're never going to get anything different than what you have right now. So why do you keep doing it? And we can ask that question all that we want but it's not going to move any of us. And that's why I feel like even though it's a luxury, everyone should have a coach in some way. But we need to, it's like you're paying a coach for a reason. You need to trust them, not just have a coach for the sake of telling you stuff. You saying, yeah, cool, cool, cool. But not following the process, which is what a lot of people internally do as well. Cause it's like, I know this cause I was speaking to a friend who has another coach who told her to eat a certain, like a certain amount of food or whatever. But she's like, no, I'm scared to eat that. So I'm going to take this out of the breakfast that he gave me and this out of the breakfast that he gave me and just have this little amount. And then I'll skip that snack. I don't need that. And I'll have a little bit of lunch. Binge at night. And that's her cycle that she keeps going through. She has a coach. She's getting told what to do. She knows why, but she's still stuck in that cycle. It's like you can see how this is all accumulating. Mm -hmm. Now on the other side of the spectrum, I'll talk about one of my clients who actually had a breakthrough. So I've been pushing on her that she needs to rest more, that she needs to eat more, that she needs to just focus on protein, not calories. Because sometimes, like, people need to stop saying you just need to focus on calories in, calories out, because that works for some people. You need to actually tailor the approach to the individual. Some people should focus on food quality before they worry about where their calorie balance is. 
Because if you just focus on food quality, the rest can take care of itself. So you need to know what to address with that person instead of just spitting out calorie deficit. Because that doesn't work for 80% of people. Actually, I'll say 90% of people. Because if it did, we wouldn't have this crisis right now. Stop spitting out calorie deficit. It does jack shit for people. People who are probably accountants and and like the, the, the analytic people, maybe they can do that because they like numbers. But the majority of us, we're just humans who don't give a shit about maths. We just want to get our results. And telling us calorie deficit hasn't worked for us yet. Well, it did work for us for like a 12-week challenge until we got to the end. And then what do we go from there? Another calorie deficit? When we're already on like 1,200 calories? Like what, 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 what then? 1,200 calories is my deficit. I'm not losing weight on a calorie deficit. Mate, it has nothing to do with calorie deficit now. It has to do with actually telling you what you need outside of a calorie deficit because we already know that works, but obviously it's not working for you right now. Well, I'm not saying the calorie deficit isn't working. I'm saying saying it isn't mm-hmm. working, isn't working for you right now. So let's just focus on food quality. Let's focus on slowing down. Let's focus on doing those things because that's exactly what I'm trying to do with this client. And then she finally has been sleeping a lot more. She's been skipping a couple of gym days. And I'm like, yay, we should skip more gym days. We should rest more. I'm like, I'm encouraging this behavior because like I have group chats with my girls so they can like support each other outside of the main group. And it's funny because in this group chat, I have two polar opposites. One needs to actually show the hell up to her sessions. So I go on about her every time she misses one. I'm like, no, you need to show up tonight then because you need to stick to your word because she needs to actually gain that confidence in doing what she said she's going to do. And then someone else in the group chat is this girl right now that I encourage her to have these rest days. Anyway, she had a nap. She had the rest day. She finally had a breakthrough the other day saying, I'm finally just looking at protein in my food versus calories. Like she's finally getting all of these things. I'm like, so do you see why I keep telling you that you need to rest more? Your body is crying for this. And She's just like, you know what I realized? Usually this is when I'd start binge eating and eating everything in the house, but I didn't do it this time. I'm like, do you see why I keep telling you that you need to actually do less? Do you see why I keep telling you why you actually need to stop trying to eat as little as possible throughout the day? Do you see why I'm saying all this stuff now? And then she love hearted it. And then she celebrated for the first time yesterday getting 20 grams under the 20 calories under what I prescribed her, which is 2000 because she, I had 2000 for her for ages and she's, she keeps coming back. She checks in with me every single day with what she hits 15, something, something, 16, something, something, 15, something, something, 17, something, something for once she's closer to that 2000 and she actually hit her protein. I have her on really high protein because I want her to focus on this protein because it's the hardest thing to get. Mm. If people focus on just eating a shitload of protein, everything else should fall in line because you don't find protein in the convenience store. Like it's not packaged in a package of crisps. You actually have to go out of your way to meal prep food to have healthy foods available when you're focusing on protein because you need to prep the protein. You need to think about, okay, what goes with this protein or am I just going to eat this protein on its own? And then as soon as you have the protein, like quoting her, I feel so full and like satisfied. This is awesome. And 
that's something you don't get when you're eating carbs, when you're eating fats. And this goes to the whole 80-20 conversation we were having. The mindset behind 80-20 is what I hate. Like, I'm all for that flexibility. I, I just want to caveat that. I'll talk about that later. But the principle behind I can just eat good for 80% of the time, 20% of the time I can just be YOLO. Yeah, but that's stupid because people are too busy talking about IIFYM, flexible dieting, macros. The quality of food is probably the most important thing. It influences not only your metabolism, but your gut health, your satiety, and the way your brain is wired. What you eat impacts your brain. If you're having too many high palatable foods, sugar, fat, I'm not going to say carbs because I'm talking refined carbs, so I'm saying sugar. Sugar, fat, salt, those three, probably add in some MSG, some other flavorings, whatever it is that makes the food addictive. You've got this dopamine, ding, 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 ding. And it's going to make you want to eat more and more of that. And that dopamine overrides your appetite signals. And sugar, fast digesting. Fat plus the sugar, plus whatever else is with it, fast digesting, not satiating. Nine calories a gram of fat versus four grams, four calories per gram of carbs, sugar, fat, whatever. You have this energy dense flavorgasm that isn't gonna keep you full. That's gonna make you wanna eat more after it. And you will because you're not satisfied. You wanna eat more food because of the dopamine, ding, 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 ding. And you also need to know your personality type. Like with me, I get that dopamine overdrive too quickly, even if it's with something as simple as a casein pudding. That's too sweet for my, that's too sweet for my brain. That makes me want to eat more food and I'm not satisfied with it whatsoever. Sweet food doesn't fill me up. I need to eat savory and I know myself. So I'm happy to say no to sweet food. This is what other people need to learn how to do. I'm happy to say no to a lot of food because I know how I want to feel. And this comes back to the why. And this also comes back to the holiday season, which is really important to remember. How do you want to feel after the event? How do you want to feel after that meal? How do you want to feel the next day? Because I know that I don't feel in control of my behaviors. I don't feel in control of my body. I don't feel in control of my choices. If I eat food, that takes away that control. And that's exactly what everybody does every single day. They give their control to food and they don't have control over it themselves. They don't ask themselves, how do I want to feel? Like, yes, you can have the chocolate. Yes, you can have the ice cream, but have a plan in place for what happens if, what happens if I want more ice cream? I have a girl who only, she has, she has a, she has like a limit in her diet, in her food plan of how much chocolate she can have in a day and she, how much ice cream she can have in a day. She has chocolate twice in her day with her snacks. She puts it all into dinner. I mean, all into her dessert with her ice cream. She's like, I eat this right before bed. Then I brush my teeth because then I don't want any more because it gets rid of all the taste in my mouth. And then I go to bed. It's as simple as that. You can still have your cravings and look forward to that food, but you need to have a plan in place for knowing your personality type. If you're someone that's going to want a second and you're not satisfied with that, have it before bed. Know that you're looking forward to it and brush your teeth after it. Or if you're like me, if I have something, which I need to actually do more often, but I'm too, here's the thing, too busy working, but 
if I have something and I know that I want to have something after it because I know it's going to trigger that, if I go walking, that blends my appetite. And people actually should do a lot more walking around their meals because it increases insulin sensitivity and you're actually better able to control your blood sugar levels, which is very underrated now. People don't realize the importance of actually controlling your blood sugar levels because if you don't keep them under control, that spikes your cravings. And I'm pretty sure you know that too. Like, especially people who try fasting, we as women are a lot more susceptible to changes in all of these things because our bodies, it's like we're, bar we're stress barometers. Women are a lot more unstable when it comes to stress. And I know you know this too, <laughs> but back to what I was saying. So if you go like fasting for however long, because I don't want to get fat and I want to eat all of this meal and whatever it is, and then you have a meal, your blood sugars are going to spike a lot more because now it has to tolerate being in like a fasted state to now being in a fed state. So now it needs to try and balance out your, your blood sugar. So then it releases a lot of insulin to be able to suck in all of this food and glycogen and energy from your blood to actually be able to be metabolized and used. So you are going to have that highest spike. So think about that because that will also override our appetite signals. Because I know if I don't eat for most of the day and then I come home and actually eat, like I'm not someone that would just raid the pantry, but if I eat like two of my meals together, I could easily eat like a thousand and like a thousand five hundred calories in that meal and be fine with that because my appetite would be that big after not eating that much because blood sugar levels, all that stuff, the only thing that would be stopping me is like, the 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 sensation of a full belly which is also another factor that comes into food quality if you're eating a lot of high volume foods like veggies fruits whatever that's going to fill you up a lot more and i don't really know if people still struggle with the idea that if they start a diet they think they're going to be hungry because i know that if you're thinking about weight watchers and jenny craig and all these little containers they're small portion sizes the thought of doing that wouldn't would freak me the hell out and i wouldn't even want to start doing any fat loss thing because i i i would be very stressed over being hungry because i love my food but if you actually think about filling most of your plate with veggies then focusing on the protein that you want to put into the plate you're going to be so much more satisfied and if that is what consists most of your diet you can fit in these fun foods you can fit in chocolate. You can enjoy date night with your husband, with your wife, because what you do most of the time is your insurance policy. That's pretty much what I call it. Like what you do most of the time is your insurance policy so that these other days don't throw you off because you know that the track you're getting back onto allows for this. But if your track does not allow for this, that's when you lose the wheels on your wagon. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There, that pretty much everything you said speaks volumes to the significance of having a plan and being prepared based off of what the type of person that you are. Like you said, you know what you are. And like, I, I'm the same way. It's I like peanut M&Ms are a great one, which, by the way, we haven't even talked about curly whirlies, which which you posted, which we, we could spend a whole episode on curly whirlies. And I believe one of them was called the chomp bar or something. But 
the whole wor- the candy the candy world in Australia, I feel like is something I need to participate in because it just just your little video of those things made me so. The fact that there is something called the curly whirly out there makes me so happy inside. <laughs> okay, so I remember when I was comp prepping, I used to watch binge videos. I used to binge watch videos of people trying American snacks and always wanting to have these American snacks. And then it wasn't until recently. Well, not recently. As soon as I started fueling myself properly and not starving on like 1,200 calories, 1,000 calories, 1,600 calories a day for comp prep, wanting to eat everything in the world, that's actually a really funny thing. This will relate to some. Okay, so when I was comp prepping, all I craved, all that filled my explore feed on Instagram was cinnamon scrolls, Cinnabon, Lamingtons, because I just always wanted the taste of Lamingtons because I loved I love the batter of cake and Lamington cake batter is delicious. It's like this coconut, spongy, vanillary. You don't know what Lamingtons are, but it's like mm-hmm. vanillary. It's chocolatey, coconutty. I don't like coconut, but this like Lamington batter is just delicious. Anyway, that was filling my feed, and now I I I hardly see food on my feed anymore. I as soon as I finish comp prep. I had a sustainable diet to go back to in a way because I knew that I was going to eat more food as soon as I started eating more food. I still haven't had a cinnamon, a Cinnabon in my life. I still haven't had a Lamington since comp prep because I just haven't wanted one since. I'm eating enough food to not crave and fall to, to want those foods anymore. Like I actually don't want them anymore. I'd rather eat something else like cereal because I'll cereal, like cereal. Anyway, but <laughs> it's like, as soon as you feed yourself enough food and stop living in such a restrictive mindset, you will stop craving all of this shit. But back to the, back to the candy world, just because, okay. So we have these oval teenies and I, do you guys have Milo there? No. Okay. Okay. Is a Milo, is, is a Milo a store? Okay. No. So Milo is probably one of most people's favorite things ever. It's, 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 I can't even describe it. It's not Nesquik. It's not like, it's not like Cadbury powder. It's, it's a different level. It's my mom freaking eats it out of the tin. It's that, that. I love it already. Like Milo is, I don't know how to describe it. I used to love Milo, but now I just prefer like, I don't know. I, I prefer cocoa powder in my oats, but anyway, Milo actually, Milo, this is actually a nice one that I would still actually know. I still prefer Cocoa Pops. So Cocoa Pops milk, have you ever had Cocoa Pops milk by itself? What, Cocoa, like, like, I don't even know what Cocoa Pops are. Like Cocoa Puffs? They're like Cocoa Pebbles. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, Cocoa Pebbles, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like the milk of Cocoa Pebbles in with like Weetabix or something. Like the milk of the Cocoa Pebbles is delicious. The Milo is a little bit... I can't, ex- I can't explain it. It's like, it's like you, you can, you can, you need to actually order yourself Milo. It's, it's indescribable. It's I'm literally Ruby. I'm, I'm going to, if you can get them ordered and shipped to the U S I'm going to have one after, right after we're done talking. All right, good. I was like, you need, like, it's the one thing that I can't describe. And it's actually something that I would probably still add to my wheat fix if I had to, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't like go over the top for that stuff. I'd, pr- I'd actually prefer cocoa pebbles, but Something that is Australian that is actually really delicious is fairy bread. Like the actual the actual taste of fairy bread, not the bread itself, because it, it I don't like the crunch of the hundreds and thousands. Pretty sure you have those. You know the hundreds and thousands that you put in stuff? Nope. 
you don't okay so australia is really really different in the candy world yeah you guys are on fire okay so welcome to australia we have fairy bread and i introduced john to this as well john vlogatas so he needs to try this as well i bought casein mousse the flavor of fairy bread now that is next level when you add a little bit more sweetener to it because you have to make it a little bit sweeter because that's what fairy bread is but fairy bread is like white bread you can put butter on it and then you put like color sprinkles on it like the sprinkles on donuts so that okay. that's hundreds of thousands i don't like the crunch texture of that which is why i say i prefer the taste of fairy bread to fairy bread itself but it, it it's like it it's it's like cake pop it's like those cake pop sticks that's what it tastes like but bread version so that that that's my dream that sounds like my dream right there oh my it, gosh it, i need these in my life See, what I actually see in America, I think it's mainly Texas. You guys have turkey waffles or something, like waffles and chicken. Chicken and, or chicken and waffles? Yeah, that. Because yeah. I'm a savory girl. Like I mentioned before, I love my savory food. Like oh. my favorite meal is tuna bake. Like cheesy mozzarella, tuna, whatever veggies. I just have – it's mainly broccoli, but I just – that's the only thing that changes – whenever I make my meals, the veggies that I put with it. It's mozzarella, veggies, tuna, rice, and then I add a shitload of mashed pumpkin, pumpkin puree, whatever you want to call it. And it's just this cheesy goodness in a big container that is just delicious. And I that that's just my favorite meal. It's weird, but that's my favorite meal. That sounds <laughs> so. phenomenal. I love that sounds great to me. Oh that's see that that's it and that's perfect. Like you know you are you like savory things, not necessarily sweet things. So, like, you you have your thing to go to. That's not. We could go on a whole sidebar on that too. Like, that's always a big struggle too for a lot of people. Is everything is good to some degree, but it's not their thing. So they'll just mindlessly eat it. When if you're going to go over on your calories for whatever reason, you should just make it on something that you love. Whether it's a bunch of curly whirlies or a savory bake, like go on whatever you want, but don't just waste it because because it's all technically good. But if it's not your thing, don't waste that. Don't waste it. That's actually what I've been saying most of this conversation. And now that you said it that way, that's a better way to put it. It's like when I say that, when I mentioned like the whole Milo thing, like I wouldn't have that. It's like, yeah, I can eat whatever the hell I want. I have that flexibility, but I've got to a place where like everyone's food relationship looks different. Like me saying that I have the best relationship with food might not be what someone else considers to be a best relationship with food, but I feel like I have all the flexibility in the world because I know that I can fit anything in if I have, if I want to, mm -hmm. but I don't because I know what's going to satisfy me. I know what's going to fill me up. What's not going to fill me up. I know what's going to trigger more cravings. I know what calories are in some foods as well. It's like, but is this worth my calorie, my calorie allotment or would I rather something else for that? Like, would I rather have a pastry here and now, or would I rather save up those calories for a bowl of cereal at night? I think I prefer the bowl of cereal at night because right. I prefer cereal over pastries. Like knowing that you can have anything you want, but should you is the power mm -hmm. because you can have everything you want. But when people are in such a restrictive mindset, this is where the whole binging comes in is when you'll eat anything and everything because it's like, Oh, but this isn't on my diet. So I'm going to rebel and eat it. It's as soon as you realize that it's not about restriction, it's about abundance and just, not living this is the theme of my life 
do not live in a fatless phase. A fatless phase should be in and out. You should have an end date. You should know exactly when the fatless phase is going to end. Then you get the hell out of it. I don't care if you still have fat to lose, get the hell out of it mm -hmm. because you can't keep losing fat forever. It doesn't work that way. You go into a fatless phase, you do the best that you can, you actually give it 100% and you go 100%. But you can't go 100% and give 100% in a fatless phase if your whole life is a fatless phase. It just doesn't work that way. And that's why people fall off track. That's why people binge eat. That's why people do the whole weekend binging, emotional eating, because they don't see an end to this. They just see their life as, I need to lose these last five kilos. I just need to get to this weight. Cool. Not right now. Mm -hmm. Let's get you to a healthy place mentally, physically, hormonally, metabolically, so that we have a massive bucket to take from. Then we stay there. I'm ready. Cool. That's good. Let's stay here a little bit longer because we don't want to stuff it up. Let's get you so comfortable here that as soon as we go into a vowel space, you are not going to stuff it up. You're going to give 100%. If you do slip up on one day, you're not going to worry because you know that it's this phase, you're going to give it 100% regardless. And at the end of that, we go back to where we were and we keep rinsing and repeating. But people just see this as a waste of time, a waste of money, blah, blah, blah. But stop hiring coaches for just fat loss. We are not coaches for fat loss. I'm not a fat loss coach, but I can help you lose fat. I'm not a weight loss coach, but I can help you lose weight. I can also help you get strong. I can also help you build your metabolism up. I can also help you love your body so much that it just stays lean all the time, like mine does, in in and around its fluctuations, in and around me saying, oh my God, my tummy's bloated and I've, I have this fat belly now today because period time or because I just ate my food and now I have a food belly. Yeah, we all have those, but it doesn't mean just because the scale is up one day or just because you feel like you're a elephant one day that you just cut your calories for the rest of the day, which is what so many people do. So stop using the scales. Stop going by your emotions every single day because we all get those days. But that day, those feelings, they aren't real. They evoke emotions that are very real, but your feelings are not real stories. And that's something that holds us back as well. It's like, as soon as we feel off one day or we feel fat one day, I'm not going to eat carbs today. I feel fat. I'm going to, I'm going to take out my carbs from dinner today because I feel fat. And before you know it, you're in this cycle of binge restrict deprivation mindset. And you're probably going to fall into old patterns again because you allowed it once. Why not allow it tomorrow? Why not say stuff it? And then if you put extra stress on your body that day and you're still so tied to the scales, I'm putting stress on my body today. I'm going to eat less today. I'm going to do some extra cardio today. You're going to weigh more the next day because now you're holding more water weight because you just put a whole shitload of stress on your body. Or you could weigh even under and then that could be like, oh, cool, I have all this leeway now without realizing that everything that day did not actually make you lose fat. You just lost weight on the scale, which was gravity. So anything that you're going to be like, I can compensate now, it's that 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 behavior is going to make you add on more weight like it's the it's these little things that we focus too much on instead of just why is this my saying zooming the hell out <laughs> and looking at it from the retrospect of this is our life and this is now that i'm saying it i need to say this more often because it's like this this whole thing just came to a big peak in my head right now in this moment and that's this is what 
gives me actually the most passion and the most purpose in my life. It's making people realize that our body goals, all this stuff in our life, it's, we're humans. Like we, we want to love ourselves. There is so much more to life. There is, yes, adding color to our life, but what are we identifying with? Is it this forever chase of manipulating our body or is there more to life? Like think about when we were kids. I remember like I actually had a little crying episode a couple of weeks ago. I don't know why I I just burst in. Well, I do know why I'll explain that. I just burst into tears all of a sudden because I was thinking about all the holidays I went on with my parents that I wasn't even on. I was on them, but I wasn't on them. And my parents are really old. And I pretty much already feel like I lost my dad because dementia is in his seventies. And when your parents age, they're not themselves anymore. Like, you know, this senile. And we used to go on holidays. We did cruises on boats. We went away and I, I was never there. Like mentally, I just wasn't there. I was too busy focusing on my dieting, focusing on what I'm eating, worried about my work, worried about my coaching, worried about I need to get back to my clients. I was never really present. And I would, it's emotional. I would like kill to go back to those times because that's when my parents weren't so old and senile now. Because within that period of spending time with them to where we are now, I probably mentioned this before I, I told my clients, I'm happy to even talk about it, but my, I, my brother has issues and he came and lived with us again. And because of those issues, he put so much strain and stress on my relationship with my parents, even more where I just retracted and that aged them more. Cause we know that stress ages you and that affected everything so much more because in, in the, what's the year 2019 in the five years that he was here or four years in four years my parents aged 20 years because of that and it's these things that we don't realize like time with our kids time with our loved ones time with our friends things that we will never get back we don't even stop to think about and then we end up feeling like we're lonely we're unloved we don't have a purpose in life we don't know what our purpose is anymore so then we start chasing these things even more, these external factors even more, feeling like we aren't worthy, chasing others for validation because we haven't yet stopped to actually our lives now and realize that our whole life isn't just about obsessing over our bodies. Like I've been there, I've done that. I had no comfort. I don't know whether I talked about this on the last podcast, but I would never put up photos of myself in high school that my best friend was a Photoshop whiz. She like spent most of her days on Photoshop. She would Photoshop all the photos, take out my L, L Monroe. I call that my Mon, oh. my Monroe freckle. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, no photos are allowed to go up unless my Monroe freckle's gone because I'm pretty sure Monroe has a freckle there. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want that freckle in any photo. I'm like, that freckle needs to leave. Otherwise, don't put that photo up. Now, I hate what I look like in that photo. Make sure it's black and white. Nothing like that. And Apparently, a lot of guys at the school had, like, they liked me and I never believed in them. I used to question that. And then I used to, like, chase away from all that. And then I'm like, nah, nah. Like, there were so many things that I missed out in life because I had no confidence in myself because I thought that I was, ugh. Like, all those things 
that like a lack of confidence holds us back from like the things that we don't go for anymore because we don't have confidence in ourselves. The anxiety that we put upon ourselves because we don't have faith that we can accomplish something, like that's where most of our anxiety comes from. Because if we don't have faith that we can achieve something, all we're going to do is stress over all the what ifs, stress over is this even going to happen? What happens if this happens? What happens if this happens? Oh no, maybe I need to add some more into this. Maybe I need to do some more work. Like there's all this thinking, not enough doing. So then we consume all of this other content to try and make us make it feel like we're doing something, which is what a lot of us do with our diets, but we're not actually doing the work. And then we start to worry about all these things that don't really matter because we're already stuck in the cycle. So why not keep going? So I guess in all of that, what I'm trying to say is yes, People need to stop going from one end to the other and like change your body, lose fat, build muscle, actually make your body look amazing. There is nothing wrong with that. And I'm sick of people being so anti-diet because you can't really be healthy with so much body fat on you, but there are better ways to approach it. No self-hating. Like you need to accept your body as it is and love it to change it. Because if you're doing everything out of stress, out of hating your body, out of just wanting, like, you're more likely to do one, dumb shit, two, not enjoy the process of it, three, fall on one of these extremes of anti-diet, full diet, anti-diet, and then you go yo-yoing, and then you're like, nah, diets don't work, which they do. It's, you need to find joy in the process. I need to have something to allow you to work in, because so many of us are working out. Not enough of us are working in. Like, what do, like... Something I love is listening to Taylor Swift. Like I have a mentor that literally asks me, what do you enjoy doing? Like, what is your emptying out? My answer is always creating canvas for Instagram. It's like, that's work. That's not working out. And I'm like, I'm a, like, cause I'm a creative. I love creating. And when I, when I'm really stressed out, I could take, I'm not kidding. I could take four hours to make one Canva. A lot of my canvas that you see on Instagram uh, probably have taken me about four hours because when I need to release, this is, there is a release. He made me come to a conclusion on that. But when I need to release myself, I get very particular about the way things are on my canvas because I love color. I love the, I love placement of things. I, I'm just a creative. I'm very visual, which I know it's like, you can, you can talk bad about yourself if you accept that it's not something you're, putting yourself work on kind of thing. I accept this. So I, will, I always say it. I'm not a reader. I suck at reading. I'm bad at reading. I'm bad at words. I'm bad at all that stuff, which is why I talk so colloquially, which I feel works for my clients because they feel like I'm their friend and I get into that deeper levels of them, to, like to have conversations with them because I'm still colloquial to my clients, which is why when I have conversations with them, they'll sign, they'll be all formal and be like, hi, Ruby. Thanks. Signed off Sharon or whatever. And it's like, you can be a little bit more friendly with me. Reach out to me more. I need to know what happens between your check-ins. I need to know how you're going through the day because if you're going to send me this check-in every fortnight and it's this big cluster of God knows what, I can't I can't do much with that without knowing what happened with you throughout the week. And I'm willing to have those conversations. That's where, my, that's where I try to make my coaching stand apart where talk to me whenever you want. Message me anytime that you want. I have my phone on Do Not Disturb. I have all notifications off. Message me at 2 a.m. in the morning. That's fine because it's not going to wake me up. It's not going to disturb me. But when I open my phone, I'll be there for you. Yeah. 
and that that's that's the approach I like taking. And it's like if we can pull our strengths out of our flaws and weaknesses, we can become indestructible. And that's what so many people don't realize. They're too busy beating themselves up about where they suck, which I can do as well because I was doing it this morning. I've been I was staring at a screen for I think it was 15 minutes by the time I looked at my phone and I'm looking at words and I couldn't I couldn't process them I'm like up the screen <laughs> I mean I'm gonna do something else that I can actually focus on and then I did something else and I could focus on that like I know where my strengths lie and if I can't read something in that moment that's fine I'll come back to it when my brain's actually able to process the words I don't know whether it's the like my IDD I don't know but my strength is in visual stuff I've learned so much through my career, through physical, through practical. In uni, I I know anatomy like the back of my hand. Why? Because I spent about six hours a week in a lab with cadavers. And many times I got slapped in the face with a dead hand because I pulled on a friggin' muscle instead of a tendon. And then I got a friggin' hand slap. <laughs> and that stuff stinks because they, they have to preserve the cadavers in disgusting liquid. And every time I pulled a muscle instead of a tendon, I'm like, whoops, that was a flexus longaris, not the tendon. <laughs> so I got a lot of hand slaps when I was playing with cadavers. Oh, oh I actually still awesome. I still have the apron and the apron stinks. I, I kept it for memories because it actually stinks with all the slapping I got. That's but, hilarious. <laughs> Oh, the amount of slaps, but <laughs> because I, I, tendons, muscles, but, oh, and the worst was when I was trying to find veins and there were some really, really athletic people in our cadaver class. And the more athletic you have more exercise, more walk, more strength train, you're building a lot more capillaries in your body to carry off. The Yeah, we are. We are. We are back now. All right. So, ladies and gents, we're back. We had a little mishap. We had, we had a little Zoom mishap. I'm blaming it on the Atlantic Ocean. But uh, we are back now. Uh, you were just telling us about the uh, the capillaries and the tendons and the uh, everything going on in dead bodies. Yeah, I was. And before he kicked me off the the, 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 the <laughs> Titanic, and I'm back. I'm back. I'm back on board the Titanic. So, like, like the more. I want to actually go back to that oxygen thing as well. Like what is something that a lot of people complain about? It's not having enough energy to go through their day. It's not feeling like they, they, they have that vitality, like they, they feel weak. And not only are people not drinking enough water, but their blood health is so poor. And going back to the whole, are you really ready to diet? It's not just about having your calories in a good level, not, not burning yourself out at the other end with too much cardio, but if your health isn't in a good place, your body isn't going to respond. Your hormones, your metabolic markers, your blood health, like all this stuff, if it is in a good place, your body will respond so much faster. And I've said it in other podcasts that I've been on as well, where when I was training for my, I should really talk about the, the cardio component of it too and why it was so effective when I did it. But when I was training for my half marathon, I don't know whether you know I did that, mm -hmm. but when I was training for my half marathon in July, I had to drop a little bit more body weight to be more efficient with my running. Like I said, you want to run fast, not run hard. So in order to run fast, not run hard, I had to lose some body weight. 
so that I could do that. And my, my coach didn't realize how fast my body was going to respond. And he cut my calories by 300. So I was on 2,600. He cut me down to 2,300. I lost four kilos in under four weeks, like four kilos in under four weeks. And I'm already small. Like, yeah, I was, was saying you're, you're already small. You're not a, you're not a big person. So that's a lot. Mm, yeah. So the heaviest I got in my building phase was 60 kilos. Then I got down to 59 kilos. I'm five foot two, just for reference. Um, wait, wait, I just realized I'm, I'm talking five foot two, but not pounds. Yeah, I was, I was, I was literally just typing in a converter thing right now. Okay, so I was 132 pounds, and then I dropped down to 129 within, like, within not actually dieting, just like increasing my my running volume for my marathon, my half marathon, and then when I actually went from 2600 to 2300, I dropped down to 120 pounds so that that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of a lot in four weeks oh yeah because before a few years ago i would be training my ass off i was deadlifting six times a week (laughs) with five of those sessions with in four sessions it was just that i had six variations of deadlifts in four sessions I had five five weight sessions, but then I begged for a sixth conditioning session. So I got a short one. But typical Ruby, hey, let's let's add in a let's add in an AMRAP and do an extra conditioning session on top of this 15 minutes. So I'd do like 15 minutes and make up my own 25 minute conditioning session. So I'm working out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, conditioning Sunday, Saturday. I did just say I was deadlifting all that time. And I was also squatting. So I'm training my ass off really freaking hard five days a week doing conditioning on saturday trying to get my walking in trying to get my steps in where i can because i used to go on the treadmill and finish off which i still do have not kicked that habit i still walk 60 minutes after every session because i sit on my ass most of the day and if like you need to make time for things that mean a lot to you and i know what walking means for me it makes me feel good but you can't just add in activity without fueling it and that's what i used to do mm-hmm. and then i added in i added in that walk and all this is me trying to maintain and lose weight on 1400 calories because I had a weight class to make. So I was always trying to maintain my weight or lose weight. So I was on 1400 calories every single day doing all that shit. And I was only getting fatter and I would use the word fatter because I hated my belly a lot. It was holding more and more fat. It was getting more and more bloated. My gut health was atrocious. My hormones were obviously atrocious. I got a blood test. I had no testosterone. My E2 was tanked, my estrogen. It's like, you do this stuff to your body. And I'm saying this because I was there and I know what doing too much does. And this brings us back to the start of our conversation. Mm -hmm. My body was getting worse. Despite me eating less, despite me doing so much work, I still had so much energy. I don't even know how I had all that energy to train so hard because I was training like a beast. I didn't have that energy at home. That's when I was actually crashing out a lot. So my meat, my actual total energy throughout the day went down at home when I crashed out. I didn't always crash out because I had work to do. But when I crashed out, there was less activity there. But at the same time, it's like, is all of that really worth not really having a life outside of the gym, which a lot of people do because they're always exhausted. And back to the client conversation I was having, 
with her saying, I actually don't feel so exhausted anymore. I'm not used to this. Usually I would binge eat, blah, blah, blah. It's like what you're doing to yourself is keeping you stuck in the cycle. Back to the questions that you wanted me to ask. What a way to bring it back to back to back to the base. It hasn't worked for you right now. So don't you think it's time to actually think about a different way? Do do you think we should try a different approach? Well, well, yeah. Cool. So what is it that isn't working for you right now? Obviously everything they're doing right now. Okay, so will you be willing to now do blah, blah, blah and see how we go there? Well, no, because I want to, because I don't see how like doing less and eating more is going to help me. Okay, so how has doing more and eating so little worked for you right now? It hasn't. I feel like shit. I don't have enough energy. I'm always exhausted. I keep binge eating. Okay. Okay. So how do you feel about adding in another rest day and trying to eat a little bit more food? That actually sounds a little bit better now, but it's that process. And I had this conversation with this girl as well, and it still didn't work for her. She still blindsided me, but she's experiencing it through doing it. Like there are some people where she almost left my coaching twice. This is something else I do. I didn't let her leave. I'm like, nah, you're not leaving. Sorry, you're not giving up on yourself this time. She stuck through. Twice I had that conversation mm-hmm. because I know when, because there are people like are so used to coaches giving up on them. Like I'm, I'm that empath, I can sense it. So used to coaches giving up on them because they're hard work and they don't like being hard work. So they don't reach out to you. And she, then she started to realize that she wasn't actually being hard work to me. And that's my job. And that's her job as a client to be hard work but to also accept things that I respond to, things I don't respond to, because I'm not going to always respond to everything. I'm just going to say, yeah, okay, cool. I pick out a little bit that I need to pick out. I read it all, but there's only little things that I need to give nudges to. And it's accepting that at the same time to move forward because I didn't let her leave. I wasn't letting her give up on herself again. And after those two times, yes, it's been all these months, but I have this thing that I say in my coaching where, Everyone takes their time to germinate. You are still a seed. It's not about we all grow at our own rate. You can't grow until you germinate and you still haven't germinated, mate. And that rhymed. But (laughs) you need to let yourself germinate first. And now she's germinating. Now she actually is giving herself the chance to grow. She's realizing these things. So we weren't growing in that time period, but we were still making progress because we were picking out the weeds. We were fertilizing the soil and nourishing the environment so that she can grow, so that she can germinate. Just because you're still a seed does not mean that no change is happening because environments change all the time and you're not in control of that shit, but you can do what you can control in that environment, which is go out when it's raining still, go out when it's thundering, go out when it's lightning and nourish that seed to allow it to grow. And now that it's doing its growth, now she can actually grow. And I went through that shit myself. And the shit that I haven't even been through that I feel like I have been through because I live the I love the experience of my clients so much. And this is what is so, so missing from the industry. It's 
being able to walk a mile in your client's shoes to understand where they're coming from because you don't have to have gone through it yourself to understand. You just need to have some friggin' empathy. You need to actually allow yourself to understand where they're coming from instead of saying, nah, mate, you're going to do that day. It's like, they can't, that, that's just going to add more stress to them. Like, you need to know where they are right now to give them the right advice. And it's something, as much as I love this guy, there is something I hate about this trainer online. He grinds my gears. He heralds himself as someone who bashes against coaches and bashes against bullshit. It's like, because you're giving giving yourself this identity of someone who cuts out bullshit, you're not allowing yourself to see nuance in any situation, which he doesn't. And he shared a post the other day and bashed this coach for talking about reverse dieting as something magical. And I know as a fact, he didn't read the post because everything he said to bash her, she already covered in the post. So it's like he was having a go at her for stuff that she was already saying in the post itself to make her post make sense. But because he saw the word reverse diet, he's like, I'm bashing this chick. That's it. I've got something else to bash. And there's so much of that going around, but it's because this guy has such a big influence and he's in my circle that I, that that's, this is the only guy I pick on because it, it really does grind my gears. It's like reverse dieting is the same as saying friggin' adrenal fatigue. It's the same as saying metabolic damage. Like, we know those terms don't exist. We know that the word toning doesn't exist, but we are so getting, we're getting so caught up in the, like in the terminology, which I still would get caught up in the term, terminology of adrenal fatigue and metabolic damage. But it's, it's, let's use the word toning. It's like, you're getting so caught up in the fact that toning isn't a thing that you're not actually serving the clients in front of you. Mm-hmm. No, toning isn't a thing, bro. Yeah, well, it is to me. I want to look toned. Like serve the serve the client where they're at. Give them what they want. They want to look tone. Okay, cool. We're gonna build some muscle and we're gonna actually tone you up. That's what they want. Yeah. That's what they want. You're gonna give them what they need with what they want. But it's like yeah, reverse dieting is a thing. You can call it maintenance. You can call it a diet break. You can call it whatever you want. It's still getting the person to the same place. But you have to actually deal with the client in front of you. If they have a poor relationship with their body or with food, and trying to force an extra 500 calories onto them because there is no such thing as reverse dieting is going to have them go into a yo-yo cycle and be uncomfortable with their body and feel shit because now their digestion can't tolerate this extra calorie load. That's not going to get them anywhere. Like you need to deal with the client where they're at. And if you're going through such a strict dieting phase, your gut may not be able to tolerate so much food all at once either. Right. Like there are so many different circumstances to think about when you're putting someone through a reverse diet or a diet break. Like if you're not doing comp prep, which is another thing because none of these clients are comp prep clients, they're all gem pop. You're not dieting them to such extreme levels where they are dick skin lean and you need to save their metabolism and you need to put them on all these calories to save their metabolism. It doesn't work that way. Like if you diet someone down right, it should be a short, quick over phase and they shouldn't be going to unsustainable levels that weren't a 500 calorie increase. And that 500 calorie increase might be a massive surplus for them because they have such a reactive metabolism that it downregulated that whole way as well. So now you actually need to figure out where the maintenance is at, bump it up like 150. I'm not saying bump it up like 10 calories, 50 calories, but bump it up like 150. 
bump it up 200, depending where they're at. Cause I can't even give that ballpark figure. So these numbers don't even take them, don't take them seriously. But <laughs> it's like, where are you at right now? And how do you feel on that? Okay, so let's go from, let's say you were at 1450 calories. Okay, we're gonna actually bump you up to 1850 because 1450 is ridiculous. But then what if that person isn't really that active all that much and maybe they will benefit more from 1650 to start with, see how they respond there because they don't feel like shit right now. So we can still bring the calories up mainly by carbs, just boost their carbs up. That's gonna do a shitload of good 200 calories worth of carbs. It's people need to stop putting such blanket statements on what's good, what's bad, because then that's what leads people into putting effort into the wrong places back to the start of the conversation. So I guess that's, okay, this is funny because I just processed what's in front of my eyes. So I did a video yesterday. I haven't put it up into IGTV yet, but I will. But I did a video yesterday talking about this exact conversation and the questions that you should ask people. <laughs> and I just processed what's on the document right now. I'm gonna finish. I'm gonna finish off with this document. Then you can, yeah. So your deepest, your deepest levels of why, how you want to feel, you like having the knowing that you have the power to achieve your outcomes is the strongest driving force. And a lot of us don't feel like we can achieve our outcomes. Your why is the will. Your motivation is the wind. What does fat loss mean to you? Doesn't mean confidence. Doesn't mean being in control of your life and your choices. Doesn't mean being in control of the outcome. It's more than how you look. It's how you feel about yourself and what it does for the rest of your life and how you feel in social situations, in relationships, how you show up day to day. How would your life be different and how would you act differently when you achieve your weight loss goal? Is it more energy to play with the kids? Because a great way to have confidence in your ability is to think about one past win, what it took to get it, how it felt once you got good at that and then you can go get your other wins because you know exactly how it's going to make you feel <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> that that was fate that, 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 that i did a video, <laughs> i did a video on that because i had whenever i'm walking on this thing i get some i get some thoughts when i allow this is a good way to end this podcast so when i'm walking on this treadmill when i'm walking at all if i allow myself to think i get my best inspiration for posts that's where I get my best inspiration. But most of the time I don't get that because I'm too busy working. I'm too busy wanting to check up on clients. I'm too busy wanting to catch up on things to do with work. And that's what a lot of us do. We don't allow ourselves the time to slow down, to inspire ourselves. But when we do allow ourselves that chance, magic happens. Ruby, that was that that last three minutes was literally and what you just finished up with could not have been a better way to end this to to encapsulate everything that you just said. And I think that just listening to you, taking your advice and hearing you talk through things is where magic happens for all of us. That was uh, that was great. And I think that you're like before I didn't even really introduce you fully. But like one of the things that I do love about you and your message is that like you instill such confidence and in, in a changing of mindset which like as you kind of you, you kind of touched on this throughout this podcast is that 
when you can get to the point where you get a mindset shift, when you get confidence within yourself, it's not about losing fat, losing weight, gaining muscle, running a 10K. You're able to do all of those things because you're set free. You're not chasing one thing. You have the ability to do whatever you want. And like that little message at the end there kind of did incorporate all of those things that you talked about, which is just a phenomenal, phenomenal boost to not only just like fake motivation, like pump you up with some inspiration thing, but like give true hope to what is possible within every single one of us. It's, um, you're a gift to this world, Ruby. I, I try to show what's on the other side and everyone needs more hope in their life. Amen. Amen. Everyone does need more hope in their life. Amen to that. Well, Ruby, I've, uh, I've already stolen you for like an hour and 45 minutes of your day, which I apologize. I said this was going to be an hour, and, I, and I've stole you for, for almost two hours. So thank you for putting up with me. But this was, uh, it wasn't enough. It was two hours, but it was, it was 10 hours too short. So like we said last time, now we just got to make it happen again. All right, perfect. Uh, is there any last final parting words you want to leave us with before we end? Have a little bit of faith. See, I ha- I'm going to say my actual saying. Have some faith, have some trust, and have some ruby dust. I got that from Tinkerbell. <laughs> if there's two things we need, it's more ruby dust and more of this so-called fairy bread that you've already talked about. Uh, <laughs> it's fitting. Fair- sprinkle some ruby dust on your fairy bread, everybody. Um, life could not get any gooder than it is right now. I will tell you that. This was episode 222. Um, you can go back... And just you can go back to this episode and listen to it in 10, 10 minute segments and just come away with a fount of knowledge. So we cannot thank you enough. I already can't wait until we, we get behind the microphone again across this beautiful ocean of ours and uh, for you to, to give us more. Because like you can see, Ruby, I wrote down like in the process of this, I wrote down a ton of notes and things that I want to bring back up. Just some stuff that you have said. And we didn't get to them because you were just riffing on it so good. So we have a lot to talk about still that we have uncharted waters to enter. So I hope that you are ready for another podcast soon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that was the one and only Ruby Sherry. She, I will have links to all of the places, the Instagrams, the social medias, the challenges, all of the places that you can see all of those wonderful, fabulous canvas that she spends time making that will truly, truly change your life if you listen to them. Check out her IGTVs. I can't wait to see this video now that is on IGTV, that will be on IGTV that you put out. But uh, like I said, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be so pumped to have you on if I didn't believe wholeheartedly in everything that you do. So you're a phenomenal human being. Thank you once again for coming on. Everybody that's listening to this, click the show notes, follow her, and now's a perfect time to just stop and tell somebody you love them.